Hey guys, this is Caden Sudia, classmate, friend to many, and uh, this is the first episode, possibly the only episode of a music podcast I'm calling That Slapped. Uh, this is basically going to be looking at some music that I really love, talking about it, getting into the nitty gritty, analyzing it, and sort of answering the question for myself of why I love this why I think it's an important piece of art, and uh, why you should give it a shot. So today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite records of all time. This is The Glow Part 2, third studio album by American indie rock band The Microphones, released September 25th, 2001. This is a seminal record for the genre of lo-fi indie. It's honest and visceral and beautiful and Phil Elvram the the singer and writer of most of the songs on this record is just one of my favorite artists period just a lovely lovely man today we're going to be looking at the first three songs on this record they weave a very beautiful narrative together that sort of sets the stage for this whole album so if you're keeping track at home first three tracks on this album are I Want Wind to Blow, The Glow Part 2, and The Moon. So we're going to be taking a look at those, you know, sort of breaking them apart lyric by lyric and sort of looking at what makes these songs so special. Let's start by looking at the very first track, I Want Wind blow. Alright, so starting out the song, you sort of hear these intertwining acoustic guitar riffs sort of layered on top of each other that create this kind of soft driving cacophony of sound. It sort of takes you into this world, this sort of gloomy world that the Glow Part 2 kind of lives in, and the first thing you hear are these words. So let's just take a look at that, lyric by lyric. The thunderclouds broke up, and the rain dried up, the lightning let up, the clacking shutters just shut up. So this is sort of showcasing one of Phil's great strengths as a songwriter, which is sort of his attachment to the natural world around him. This sort of world and atmosphere that Phil creates is something that is sort of a thread through his whole library of work. And you just get the idea in this in this first stanza of he's just had this great storm pass over him. He's going through some tough times, some some turmoil. Phil's previous band was actually called The Thunderclouds and they did actually break up. And, you know, the connections made in that band sort of dissipated, and the band featured Phil and his girlfriend. And the band broke up when that relationship did. So this is a breakup album, and there's this tone setting and this atmosphere building, but also it's sort of showcasing this lovely bit of wordplay that that Phil brings to the table. 
So let's move on a little further in the song. There's no black or white, no change in the light, no night, no golden sun. The sound of cars, the smell of bars, the awful feeling of electric heat. Under fluorescent lights, there's sacrifice. There's hard feelings. There's pointless waste. In those first lyrics, there's no black or white, no change in the light, no night, no golden sun. There's almost this feeling of repetition and monotony that Phil's sort of talking about in the direction of his life post-breakup. No night, no golden sun sort of evokes this feeling of being in a gray area, of being in a weird sort of in-between. It's almost melancholy, like he's stuck in this realm of directionlessness. You know, Phil sort of feels as though he's meandering through life post-breakup. And the, the guitar sort of motif that goes through this song sort of sells that monotony. The sound of cars, the smell of bars, the awful feeling of electric heat. Under fluorescent lights, there's sacrifice, there's hard feelings, there's pointless ways. So Phil is somebody who's very connected with nature and the world around him. And as he's sort of leaving this relationship that meant so much to him, he's sort of noticing and feeling almost suffocated by this rapidly moving and rapidly changing world around him. And it's almost nauseating to him. He talks about how, you know, there's just a level of hopelessness to the space he sort of inhabits now. There's hard feelings, there's pointless waste is, you know, sort of a feeling that's very common after the loss of a relationship. You know, there's sort of vitriol and anger and wasted potential that Phil is sort of living in. And then he goes in to the bridge that sort of inspires the title of this song, I Want Wind to Blow. Phil wants to move on. He wants to feel change. He wants to feel anything. And wind is either going to blow away some of the storm clouds that have been looming over him, or they're going to blow in something worse. But he just wants some sort of variety from the monotony of this post-breakup depression. So let's uh, move on in the song now, post-bridge. So Phil says here, My clothes off me, sweep me off my feet. Take me up, don't bring me back. Oh, where I can see days pass by me. I have no head to hold in grief. So, in this verse, we get this feeling of Phil wanting the wind to cleanse him. You know, my clothes off me, sweep me off my feet, sort of evokes this image of nakedness, almost 
like the na- the nudeness of a baby in the way that it is sort of pure and without fault or worry or stress. He wants to be moved to a place where he no longer has to think or dwell on some of the rottenness that existed in his relationship and in the dissipation of his relationship. And the song ends on the lyrics, But there's no hope for me. I've been set free. There's no breeze. There's no ship on my sea. Phil sort of gets lost in this daydream of being in a place where he doesn't have to worry about these emotions he's been feeling anymore. And he comes to face the fact that he's kind of hopeless. He does not have that wind to carry him. And he's going to be stuck feeling the way he's feeling for a long time. And then after this, we get the main guitar motif of the song sort of stretching out into this infinite oblivion. It's just repeating over and over and over again. And eventually it crescendos into this loud over-compressed, nightmarish version of the motif, and it illustrates the sort of feeling of insanity he's feeling in sort of living in this space of nastiness and grossness and apathy. And from that, we transition directly into the next song we'll be discussing, which is the title track of the album, the Glow Part 2, which begins with these loud, distorted, heavy guitar riffs. So after this very loud, abrasive beginning to the song, Phil comes in with this really somber, strained, and sad verse. I took my shirt off in the yard. No one saw that the skin on my shoulders was golden. And sort of by taking his shirt off, Phil is going back to that metaphor of sort of nudity as being clean and exposed and vulnerable. And he is sort of upset that no one saw this glow that was coming from inside of him, this emotional honesty, this vulnerability. It was being ignored. So he goes on to say, now it's not. My shirt's back on. I forgot my songs. The glow is gone. My gliding body stopped. So this feeling of the glow that is so integral to the understanding of this album is that feeling at the beginning of a relationship It's that feeling of newness and plucky young love. And in the termination of this relationship, Phil is forgetting these songs of youth and glory and love and this glow that was inside him is absent. He's passionless and hurt. So moving on to the second verse, sort of the only other verse in this song, sort of acts as a bridge into the instrumental outro. He says, I could not get through September without a battle. 
Now, this is a direct reference to a song off their previous record, It Was Hot, We Stayed in the Water, the microphone's previous record, and the lyrics read, I made my way through September and the next month towards the glow. So, so Phil's sort of talking about how, how hard he's struggling to get through this awful period in his life. He says, I faced death. I went in with my arms swinging. Phil was really the lowest he had ever been. He was at rock bottom. And he says that he's he's still fighting and he's still pushing along. And he's still trying to chuck through this this unimaginable low. And he goes on to say, but I heard my own breath and I had to face that I'm still living. I'm still flesh. I hold on to awful feelings. So he sort of comes to terms with his humanity, that this feeling he's facing is something bigger than himself. It's something he can't really accomplish or defeat on his own. A hollowness, a humbleness there. He goes on to say, I'm not dead. There's no end. My face is red. And through this once again just over-compressed nightmarish crescendo, he, he screams, my blood flows harshly. So in this verse, there's this allusion to the fact that death would be easier than dealing with what he has to deal with. But instead, he's still alive. The blood is still flowing through him. He's feeling this anger and embarrassment and humbleness and sadness that, you know, unfortunately, he's not dead. My heart beats loudly. My chest still draws breath. I hold it. I'm buoyant. So he's just talking about how there is a feeling of infinity to this rut he's stuck in. He ends the song by saying, there's no end. And his words drift off into the distance because he's sort of come to the terms with the fact that he's stuck in this lifeless, glowless, post-relationship blues. And the song transitions into this instrumental outro, which after the sort of drama and spectacle this song brings, all the noise and all the, the visceral imagery, it ends on this jaunty, mellow breakdown that doesn't really leave the listener with a satisfying feeling of conclusion, which furthers that feeling of Phil being stuck in this infinite gray melancholia. The third and final song we'll be talking about today is The Moon. The Moon is an interesting song because it is so lyrically dense. I'd say, honestly, the the most lyrically dense of the three 
songs we're talking about today, but in terms of its sound sonically, it's really hard to pick out those lyrics because I think Phil likes to sonically paint this rush and uncertainty that was going through his head during the events of this song. So I'm hoping that specifically the lyrical analysis of this song will sort of bring out the beauty that the moon has to offer in a staticky, hectic sound. So let's get right into verse one. I drove up to the city at night and found the place where you grew up and then where you stayed. And then we walked around and stayed up late under city lights. And I spent the night next to you in your house where you grew up. Next to you, I miraculously woke up in your parents' house. I lied in bed with you. So this journey sort of begins on this nostalgic, bitter note as Phil sort of goes on this journey to forget and heal the wounds wrought by the dissipation of this relationship. He goes to places that remind him of her in an attempt to sort of find solace in that. He's sort of trying to capture the strange nostalgic bitterness that's sort of existing in this in this journey. The chorus goes, I went back to feel alone there. I went back to wipe it clean. I took the lights and radio towers out of my dreams. Phil knew in this song that going back to a place that reminded him so heavily of the person he just lost would put him in a dark and sad place. And yet he still goes to that because he wants to come to terms with the feelings he's feeling and replace them with content. Not necessarily happiness or solace or even peace, but just a place of good enough. The next verse goes like this. And we went all the way up to the small town where I'm from, with foggy air the wind and the mountaintops, and we clung to rocks and we looked off. You held my hand. You almost got to start feeling me. I finally felt like I was breathing free. And under swaying trees, we fell asleep and had the same dream. The stars were bright. We dreamed the same every night. On my island home, I spent some time with you. This verse is almost more reminiscent and interactive. He talks very nostalgically about his hometown. Phil now performs as a part of a music group called Mount Erie, which references the real-life mountain Mount Erie, which is located in his hometown of Anacortes, Washington. So it's very likely that he's, you know, sort of talking and reminiscing about spending time in his favorite place with at who was at the time his favorite person he talks about her touch and the feelings he had at the beginning of that relationship and sort of his anxieties blowing away into the wind and how they have the same dreams and they're still sort of kindred spirits in a way and there's a 
distinct feeling of remorse as he looks back at this because he felt this happiness and this joy and this glow and it's just another reminder that it's gone he goes back to the chorus and he says I went back to feel alone there I went back there by myself and gave up on everything that we felt so Phil is at a place where he is just wanting to let go and rid himself of all these feelings because even the good memories that he has and that he can live in hurt him. They're tainted by the cancer of a dying relationship. Verse 3 goes, We found a precious place in the sand, right out in the wind, and we lied under a blanket and heard the furious sound, the roar of waves, the pounding surf, Two bodies on the earth. It was intense just getting to be there next to you. And you were trying to get me then. And I was happy to let you in. He goes into the chorus and says, I went back and wished I hadn't. I went back and felt regret. I went to the beach and I stared west. He's talking about this moment they had on the beach and he's using all this naturalistic imagery because nature is what makes Phil happy. He talks about the roar of waves and the feeling of their two bodies lying next to each other on the earth. Two people so small in a place so big and he talks with joy at the feeling of her wanting him and him wanting her to so this beach, as he goes back at it, he feels this regret that he even revisit this memory because now it's tainted. Everything, every good moment he ever had with this, this person he loved was tainted. The last verse goes, Every night when the sun went down, in the town where we live, the empty streets were lit up by a reflective light from a distant sun bouncing off a glowing ball of rock. We just lied on the roof and watched the moon, the moon, the blue light of the moon. We didn't talk and silently we both felt powerful. The moon, my chest was full because we both knew we were just floating in space over molten rock and we felt safe and discovered that our skin is soft. There's nothing left except certain death. That was comforting at night out under the moon. I went out last night to forget that. I went out and stared it down. But the moon just stared back at me. And in its light I saw my two feet on the ground. So he talks about this moment staring at the moon with with his girlfriend and he talks about having this moment of almost existential peace despite how small they felt phil was acutely aware of the fact that the only thing really certain in life was death he's acutely aware of how insignificant 
his life, his girlfriend's life, and the lives of everybody are, and the, the sort of poetic romanticism we find in life is really a construct, but he still finds comfort in that. And he wanted to forget that that night. He wanted to erase these memories of this girl, but the moon will always stare at him and always remind him of his smallness and the love he lost. This record is so important to me. I've had a really tough semester, and this album, these first three songs in particular, have kind of been my rock, and I think it's because Phil's meditations on such a difficult time in his life make me feel less alone when I have to traverse my own issues. And I think in my exploration of the question of why I feel this record is so good and why I feel it's so important and why I feel it's so important for other people to hear it is just that. It's the relatability and universality of it all. Art is something that moves you. And music specifically does it in such a raw way. It speaks to something primal. And I just think that that is the most beautiful, beautiful thing. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my ramblings and musings on this record. I hope sincerely that you give it a listen. And I appreciate you a lot. Thank you.